We're going through First and Second Thessalonians together. You know, Paul was the pastor over this church, and they're struggling through some stuff, and it's been a little heavy the last couple weeks. I mean, as a parent, he's taken his church through some tough lessons, some important lessons, some truths that, hey, hell is real, and he reminds them of hell, and he reminds them of the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness. Also letting them know that the mystery of lawlessness is in our midst. Like, that's true. You need to know that, that right now, the enemy's lies are swirling around, and there are people being deceived by the enemy and rebelling and walking away from Christ. That is true of tons of people right now, every day. But I'm grateful for this message, because that is true. Hell, the enemy, the lies of the enemy, people rebelling. That's true of a lot of people, but he's going to pivot here. And he's, you'll see that that's the first word, but you. So yeah, that's a lot of people that tap into walking away from God. But he moved to the helpful encouragement, but you. Those that cling to the gospel, those that stay true to his word, God has much better plans. Some will believe the lies unto condemnation, but you, you cling to the truth unto salvation. We're going to celebrate that together. And here's kind of where it goes. I'm not going to read the whole passage up front because it kind of breaks off into these chunks. He tells them a truth, gives them a charge, and then he ends with a prayer. So that's where we're going to go. I'm going to spend most of the time unpacking this glorious truth then he gives them a firm charge and ends with an encouraging prayer. So that's where we're going this morning in 2 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 2. I'm going to pick it up in verse 13 if you're following in your own Bibles. If not, I'm going to read and you could follow it off the screen. So here's this great truth. He tells them, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you. Brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. This wonderful truth, he starts with giving thanks for them. God, I give thanks for you all. And he kind of started the letter, letter that way, but this has a different bent to this giving thanks. He says, I'm so grateful for you. But you read that, maybe start to notice, it is much more about what has been done to them than what they have done. He's celebrating their life and what's true of them, but you see a lot of kind of how they got there, and there isn't much that they have done. I broke it up this way. Look, as you look at that passage, he's thankful what's true in their lives, but this is all that God did in that passage. God loves us. He chooses us. He calls out to us. It's kind of like a romantic, like a lover calling out to their beloved. He calls out to us. He sanctifies us by his spirit. He glorifies us. Man, if you have clung to the gospel... This is true of you, and I give thanks. But we see, where does the credit go? It also speaks to our part. Here's God's part. Here's our part. Believe that. 
pretty clear who's doing the heavy lifting, right? Like all of that, God is the one that does that in your life, and we need to believe that to be true, put our faith in that, put our faith in what he has done and believe in that. Now, many of us probably, you know, you have different friendships. Tell me if you have this friendship with a particular friend where you do all the heavy lifting, right? Like, you're the one that calls, you're the one that sets up the things to do, you're the one that makes it happen, right? Like, we all have those friends where, yes, they're friends, they receive your invitations, but man, you're the one that really makes it happen. Some of you are like, I know exactly the friendship you're talking about. Some of you are like, I have no idea because you're that friend. It's not what this sermon's about, but file that away, okay? Right? Keep in mind, in our relationship with God, we're that friend, right? Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I'm thankful where you're at, but God clearly does the heavy lifting. We receive it, we believe in it, we trust in it, but so much of what Paul is angling that, of reminding them of how much God does the heavy lifting in your life. I pray that this truth sinks in for you. To understand for you that have been adopted, put your faith in Christ in the gospel. To understand that that's true of your life. You see that first one, that you are loved by God. To grapple with that, to grasp that is the most important truth I can lay before you. John Stott has a great quote talking about this, wrestling with the love of God. Let me read that. John Stott says, God is love. That he has set his love upon us. That he loves us still. And that his love will never let us go. Is the foundation not only of all reality. But of the Christian confidence and stability. To wrap your head around this simple truth. You are loved by God. And he will never let you go. To allow that to go from here to here will change your life. This is the heart and the core of the gospel. You're loved by God. Instantly, I think we, we can step back from that. And it's hard for us to embrace that. I really think this was of the Lord. A while back, like right before it got really cold, before this tundra moved in, I was outside shooting basketball out here. And I couldn't miss... I mean, I was straight water, no ice, just tack, tack, tack. I was on fire. That part of the story isn't important, and it's actually not true. I made that up. Like, I, I have an average shot. I've lost a step. It's fine. I've dealt with it. But the story feels better if my jumper's silky, right? So I'm out there just shooting. As right as the weather was turning, and the clouds would roll in, and I'd get cold, and I had this thought man, I'd warm up. I just wish the sun would come out. Think of that phrase. We all thought it, but it's not right. You know, like science kicked in. Like understand, like, the sun never goes away. The sun never stops shining. The sun never gets cold. But we don't always feel it that way. Here was my epiphany. God's love is like the sun. It never fades. 
It never goes away. It never dims. It never goes out. It is constant. God's love is blowing towards us. His light is shining. It's blazing. But do you always feel it? So what happens, right? We know the sun doesn't go away like God's love, but sometimes we get cold and say again, what do we know? What happens to the earth, right? Like right where we're at now, we're like leaning as far away. It was four degrees when I left my house this morning. Come on, right? Like what happens? The earth leans away from the sun, right? And then we lean away from God. Did God's love go away? No, we leaned away from it. We drifted away from it. His love is constant. And what else happens, right? Clouds roll in and block his light and his warmth and his love from us. This is true of you. As a child of God, that you have put your faith in the gospel. This is true of you. But the cloud that rolls in is that cloud of shame and unworthiness, right? This is true of you and what many of you said, but I don't deserve that kind of love. I told you God loves you, and you said, but God can't really love somebody like me. Like after all I've done, after the way that I am, there's no way this is true of me. If you can wrap your head around this, that God loves you, and it's not about you being lovable. Listen to what the scripture says. This is from Deuteronomy 7. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it is not because you are more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all peoples. It is because the Lord loves you. God loves you. Why? Because he's loving not because you deserve it. And if you can wrap your head around that, like if you can quit hiding behind that cloud of shame and tucking under it, you'll be freed to look at, it's not that you're lovable, it's that God is so able to love those that don't deserve it. That is the core of the gospel. And that's real simple to understand and extremely difficult to embrace that God loves me even though I don't deserve it. This whole world operates on deserving love. I can prove it to you that you understand this, but do you really embrace it? Raise your hand if you're a parent in the room. A lot of parents in the room, right? Even if you're not a parent, you know, whether it be a niece or a nephew or a, your parents, somebody that you unconditionally love. I love going through this exercise with parents. You know, I ask a parent, do you love your kids? Oh, yes. I love my babies. More than life itself, I love them. But then I like asking a follow-up question, and it always, like, confuses them. Oh, do you love them? Yeah. Why do you love them? Uh, I just do. I like to ask, like, what did they do to deserve that kind of love? I be born? 
And I like to ask, well, what, what would they have to do to lose that love? They couldn't. There's nothing they could do to ever make me not love them. I was sitting down with Molly the other day. We were talking about our kids and, you know, we are talking about, man, what if they got on this path? And she got, like, stern with me, like, there is nothing that my kids can do to make me stop loving them. I'm like, okay, I'm not telling you not to. I just, you know, I'm joking. But you could just see she had a fierce love. Right, parents? That's how you love your kids. They don't deserve it. They don't earn it. There's nothing they can do to lose it. Does God love you that way? Does God utterly delight in you? In spite of all your flaws, does he just cherish you? And then you see that difference, right? Okay, God. So let me ask you, so is your love so much purer than God's love for you? Would that truth sink deep? God loves you not because you're so lovable and perfect. He's so able to love. The more you can focus less on how much you deserve it and more on how much he likes to give it, the more you can find that freedom. And that's the trick. It's about him, not about you deserving it. I learned this, and this is so helpful to understand. Pride and self-pity, if you understand, those are opposite sides of the same coin. Pride is, man, look at me, I'm so impressive. You know, pity is, oh, I'm the worst, woe is me. What do they have in common? Me. It's a self-obsession with me. Look how deserving I am, look how undeserving I am. So for those that struggle with pride, man, that's a different sermon. But if you struggle with self-pity and you don't deserve God's love, I don't want to beat you up because you already beat yourself up. But I do want to encourage you with this. You're sitting behind that cloud of how can God love me? I don't deserve it. And I want to tell you, it's not about you. Do you get that? It's not about whether you deserve it. It's about whether he is loving. Think about how prideful that is. To really think you're better at losing God's love than God is at finding you. Like you've run so far from God that God can't find you. How crazy is that? Like you're running from God, but I've gone so far. And God's like, yeah, I could barely keep up. It's like playing hide-and-go-seek with my four-year-old, like, you can't find me. Yeah, the curtains usually laugh, and apparently my curtains grew feet. Where are you? Oh, you've gone so far. And then we do that to God. Do you really think your ability to run from God is stronger than his ability to find you? It's not about you. It's about him and his love. And the more you focus on his desire to love you, the more than your ability to earn it, you'll find that freedom of the gospel. That's the core of the truth. And you see it in Thessalonians. It outright says it. God loves you, and then you can't answer why. Why would God love somebody like me? He goes right into it in Thessalonians. He tells you why. See that right before the bold, brothers, beloved by the Lord. Why does he love you? Why? 
because he chose you. Why does God love you? Because he wanted to. Why are you his kid? Because he wants you to be his kid. This, this word was so rich, and I spent a lot of time studying this word. Listen to what one commentator said about this word, chosen. He used a verb that means to take for or to oneself. In other contexts in the New Testament, it does not refer to divine election, but rather to the selection of something or making a decision. Why? Because it is preferred. We might say that God's election of these Thessalonians was not only unto salvation, but also for himself. I pray that you can hear that and understand it, but you can embrace that. Why? Because he wants you. God loves you because he wants you to be a part of his family. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. You can't lose it. It's funny, these passages talk about divine election, God choosing you. I was on a phone call with somebody, kind of a theological discussion. Well, wait a minute. If God chooses us, how do we have a free choice? And there's tons of debate on that. What does that look like? Is our choice really free as we talk about that? You know what nobody debates? God's free. God is the all free one that nobody limits. Do you understand God did not have to take you? God did not have to choose you. He wanted you. And so he picked you. Because he loves you and he wants you in relationship. It's not a loophole where you pray to prayer and he's God. He has to take me. That's not it. He chose you. This idea biblically comes up kind of related biblically to adoption, which makes me want to cry. Because if you know our story, we've adopted. I'll never forget that day, getting that call. We're coming down Graham, coming right down the hill before Fish Creek. And my wife calls me and says, there's a baby. When my wife got that call, do you know how they say it? There's a baby. Do you want him? Now, we're utterly free in that moment. We didn't have to say yes. Through and through, it was our choice. We said, that's my son. Of course I want him. Nothing you can do can keep me from him. And they told us, there's complications. This is going to be hard. As if they were trying to talk us out of it. Let me ask you, in that moment, compared to the things that were difficult that we'd have to go through in loving him, compared to our love, what was greater? The floodgate of washing through those difficult things. Yes, there are difficult things about us. There's horrible things that we've done, but nothing compared to God's love for you understand that God loves you and he chose you. You see that in adoption. It's not like our biological kids. You're stuck with them. 
You gotta tell you, there's no taking them back, right? You know, like there's no like, man, can I get one that sleeps a little better? Yeah, let me get that one. He, uh, but adoption, there's a choice. And a choice shows. My son's gonna ask me. He's gonna come up. He's black. He's gonna know. Dad, was I adopted? You can call it that, son. The way I see it, you were chosen. You were loved. Before you could deserve it, I wanted you. Your mom wanted you. We loved you. So they asked us, there's a boy. There's a little baby. Do you want to meet him? So we went to meet him. show that to you because I want you to look at that face and I don't mean little Isaac's face and I don't mean mine I want you to look at my wife's face put your hand up to the screen you can feel the warmth radiating off of her face look at that she's glowing that's not obligation that's not something that we had to do that is love. And I want you to see that face. And I want you to understand that's how God feels about you. Do you understand that God looks at you like that? That he loves you and shows you even when you feel like you don't deserve it. That love is ringing true just like the consistency of God's son and his light ever pouring out on you. We loved him before we met him. Do you know when that moment was when God decided he loved you and wanted you? Ephesians tells us. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before you were ever born. Before you took a breath. Before you can ruin it. While God knew everything about you, God said, that's my kid. That's my son. That's my daughter. You understand for thousands of years, God has been bragging about you. Oh, wait till you meet him. Oh, that's my child. That's my son. That's my daughter. Even if the angels warn him, oh, but they're going to make mistakes. They're going to do messed up stuff. I don't care about that. It's my kid. And I love him. And that's the magnificent truth of the gospel. We don't deserve it. It's called grace. It's not that we're lovable. He's so able to love us. So that's the truth that I pray sinks in for you. But then's the charge. And I kind of find it interesting. Like, the charge isn't what I'd expect coming off of that. Like, he tees up the application. Like, okay, this is true. God's blazing warm love for you, always present. So you'd think, at least I would, hey, take it easy, right? Like, relax. Like, you know what? Hey, let go, let God. Hallelujah. PTL, baby. Praise him. He just let go, let God. That is not at all the charge. Here's where he goes from that wonderful truth. Here's the charge. So then, brothers, stand firm. Hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. 
is not let go and let God. It's I love you. And there are like hurricane force lies swirling around you at all times. This is a crazy voyage. I want you to get to the end. Hang on for dear life to this. Listen to Billy Graham's daughter tell her testimony at nine when she came to faith. She's a grandma now. And she still remembers. Clear as day. She gave her life to Christ. And her parents, the famous Billy Graham, the thing that impacted them most were in all the crusades. At nine, she gave him the Bible and said, take this. This is the only sure thing in an unsure world. Let this be your compass, your guide. Cling to it. I laugh, people that don't hold to the Bible. Like I always like to ask, I mean, so how do you make decisions? What do you base that off of right and wrong? And it's nothing more than it's kind of what I think. What everybody else around me thinks. I mean, without this, you can say you love God, but it's rudderless. It lacks compass. How do you know that you're walking with him? You're blind. You're you're going through life like I was driving down 59 last week. You got time for a story? It's quick. All right, good. Like right when all this snow came, was I the only one that was shocked by how icy the snow was? Like, it was sleeting, which normally happens at 35, and it was sleeting at 13. And it was confusing to me. And if you're a weatherman, don't talk to me after. It's not that important. I don't care to figure it out. But it was confusing, right? I remember just like, why is it so icy? And as I was driving, I realized, like, my, the roof of my car was like one solid piece of ice. Like, I could feel it, like, rocking around, like, and I was convinced that it was one piece of ice when I stopped at a stoplight and I'm driving and I hit the brakes and all of a sudden, whoosh, and I'm driving like, wow, what a funny way to die, right? You know? I mean, I'm just like, hey, anybody coming up there? Okay, good. Like, I'm driving down. Thank goodness it was like enough that I could see a little bit because I was so close to the church. There's a cop that sits at the end of our driveway. It was pretty entertaining to watch him, watch me, like, pull into the church's parking lot with, like, you know, most of my windshield covered in snow. I'm like, sorry, I was checking the specs on the girder. I don't know. <laughs> That's how life is without God's word. You're just driving blind but for you. But you, loved by God, cling to this. We so flippantly hold to this. I mean, some people don't believe the word, and you're on a journey. I love that you're here. But most of us, yeah, oh, yeah, I believe it's God's word. Hey, PTL, baby. Can you say that you cling to this? Like, those are violent, fierce words. When it talks about stand firm, hold to that, grasp on, and never let go. Some of us are so close to just being knocked off. You're one podcast away, one YouTube video away from, oh, maybe that's not true, or, you know, going a whole different path. Do you cling to this? Do you read it? Do you apply it? That love isn't meant to say, oh, it doesn't matter. I can live my life however I want. It's, no, God loves me, and now I want to please him because of that wonderful love. And I love going on mission trips. You were traveling to these, like, far villages, and it's funny in the U.S. We are so strict about seatbelts and kids. So you have to have a physics degree to know what, you know, it's like 32.5 kilograms. You're in a five point, and then you're in a backwards five point, and then you're in a booster, and then a half booster, and then a, I'm like, ah! I go to 
mission trips are like 17 of you in the back of that pickup truck. Okay, here we go. So I remember me, we just sent Tommy and Courtney, our missionaries. We just commissioned them. We were on a short-term trip. And, you know, you're bored. You're spending so much time going to these villages. And I remember we thought, like, let's see if we can surf down the whole side of this mountain in the back of this truck. So that was, like, the, the challenge, right, to see if we can not grab onto anything and just, like, ride down a mountainside in the back of a pickup truck. It was foolish. We shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. That's how so much of us approach the word. Yeah, I believe God's word. You're so close to being knocked off of it. Just knocked out of this crazy storm of life and falling out of the boat. Cling to it. Read it. Live your life by it. Let no one rip it from your kung fu grip. Do you, like, do you understand what I'm saying? It's so much beyond just, yes, I believe the Bible. Let this be your compass. There's two words. It's interesting. That word for chosen is the same root word of seize, to take hold of. And then it says to hold on to, to take hold of the scriptures. You see both grips there. God says, look, my love for you is secure. So I want you to grab onto this with all that you got. And then I'll grab onto you and make sure you get through. I love movies. I don't know how I get, there's a movie I get seen 30 times and I could watch 15 minutes of it. It's a gift or a curse, I don't know. But one of those movies that every time it comes on, I'll watch is The Guardian. Love it. It's about rescue divers that go into people in stormy seas that their ship is wrecked or they, you know, whatever it is, but they're trapped at sea. And that, man, it's crazy and intense. And these rescue divers dive down and they'll, you know, kind of hook them in to the cable to get them up to the helicopter and save them. I mean, these crazy intense situations. Kind of Ben Randall, the legendary rescue diver. He says a line that I think really encapsulates the heart of this message. He gets to one of those victims. He says, I'm here, and he goes through his spiel, but then he tells him, look, I'm with you. Don't let go, because I never will. It's not, I've got you, hey, you're fine. Don't let go. Don't let go, and I promise you, he never will cling to this, and he will cling to you. So that's the charge. That's the application. And he ends with this prayer. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. That's my prayer for you, that your hearts would be comforted by him and his love. These crazy, raging seas of this world are going to be bashing at you. Hold on. And he will hold on to you. And I want you to hear these whispers, these whispers of encouragement and comfort in your ear the whole way. I'm with you. I love it. Our trials are temporary. It says our comfort is eternal. And along the way, as you feel like you're not going to make it, God gives us his love, eternal comfort, good hope, grace. Hang on.
we see this wonderful journey in this small passage. God saves us, sanctifies us, but it also says that he will glorify us. Hang on. He reminds us, I'm right there with you. He also tells us that, look, as crazy it is, I want you to know that these clouds are going to part. Sooner than you think, these clouds will disperse, and you're going to pull in to mercy's shores. You're going to pull in to the new heaven and new earth sooner than you think, and I'm begging you to believe in faith that God loves you. Believe that by faith. But soon enough, you'll see him face to face. He's going to get you there. I beg of you, don't let go. He never will. Will you stand as I pray? Father, I pray right now that your spirit would be softening our hearts, that we would as the prayer that you just gave us that we would be established in every good work, that we would be encouraged, that we would be comforted. God, that cloud of shame, that cloud of unworthiness, Father, I pray that it would move on. We would come out from underneath that cloud and focus on you and your love for us. Help us to embrace that truth and to stand firm in it. In Jesus' name, amen.